Hi guys, welcome back to the Game Alone's podcast. Only on my weekly Q&A, the Monday Mortgage Melt, two weeks in to 2023, do I get asked my predictions for average mortgage rates in 2024? Yes, this is just one of the weird and wonderful collection of questions that I got asked this week, and I wanted to share them all with you on the Game of Loans podcast. So enjoy, but before you do, please take a little snapshot of yourself listening to this podcast and share it on your Instagram page or all your socials. Tag me in it at the Sam Norris. I'd be very, very grateful if you could. And also, if you wouldn't mind just leaving a five-star review before you carry on, and uh, that'll just make me really happy. So you do that for me, I'll do this for you. Here's the Monday Mortgage Mail episode 112. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Monday Mortgage Melt. Yes, it's that time of the week again. Uh, My favourite time of the week, actually, um, because I come live to you guys to present the country's favourite mortgage-related Q&A at five o'clock on a Monday. I'm pretty certain that is the case. I don't have any um, sort of clarification on that but I'm pretty certain that that must be the case. I'm coming to you live from our new studio. It's a bit echoey because we haven't quite finished absolutely everything just yet. Um, but once we do, don't worry guys, I will be giving you a, uh, a nice little tour once we do it. We are still we are starting to use it, which is, you know, you might have seen a few of my YouTube videos recently have been a bit of a, a slightly higher standard, shall we say, that they... Uh, they usually are. Um, that's thanks to the guys at Ozil Creative, who are our uh, media guys. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be in here. I've got my little LED light coming off there. I still I haven't quite got the lighting situ- uh, situation down. Hey Stella, how you doing? I haven't quite got the uh, yeah the lighting situation in here just down. We've got another LED light there, an LED light there. Um, yeah, I'm not very good at this stuff. I'm just just like chatting. Um, so yeah, hopefully soon we are gonna be able to do um, a lot more in-house podcasting. So the Game of Loads podcast, I'll be able to actually have guests come in uh, and we can sit, have a chat, have a coffee, film it all, and it will look all nice on the screen um, instead of it just being on StreamYard or Zoom or whatever it is that, that I'll be using. Um, so um, so yes, all very, very exciting and, and lovely lovely to be in here um, doing the, uh, this is the, hey Stuart Property, how you doing? doing? Doing the Monday Mortgage Melt for the first time. This is episode 122 of the Monday Mortgage Melt, so welcome. Um, always surprises me whenever I say how many we've done, because I think 122 lives is quite a lot. Um, <laughs> so, um, but there we are. Here we are, 122 episodes of the Monday Mortgage Melt, so welcome. Um, everybody. Um, we have a makeup artist on standby. Um, I, I think I need it. I've got really like red skin at the moment. I don't really know what's going on there. It's, uh, it's quite warm in here, so maybe that's what it is. Um, probably need a, a hairdresser uh, more than a makeup artist, strong property, to be honest with you, um, because the hair's a little bit of a mess at the moment. Look at that bit just sticking up out the back. Um, yeah, definitely need, uh, definitely need a trip to the barbers. Maybe that might happen tomorrow. I'm just so busy at the moment. Who's, who's got time to go to the barbers? Um, no, not me. Um, but yes, welcome to the Monday Mortgage Melt. Um, what do we do on the Monday Mortgage Melt? Well, for those of you that don't usually come along, I'll give you the 411 on what we do here. So uh, my name's Sam Norris. I am the owner, director, and ma- in fact, managing director, gave myself a promotion recently, of, uh, of Grand Union Finance, specialist finance broker, your success partner when it comes to property. We help property investors succeed through 
using the best financial products out there. So I've been doing this for 16 years now. I know a thing or two about the market. So I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump on and chat to the lovely people on Instagram and help them with their mortgage related dilemmas, their bridging blunders, uh, their development disasters. Um, I can't think of anything else. Uh, their commercial finance catastrophes. There we go. Um, I think I've got all of the alliteration I can out of, out of that. Um, and that's what we do here. We discuss property finance and property investing, and I answer your questions. Now, um, if you want to ask me a question, please use the question box down here. I can already see that three people have done that, so thank you very, very much. Don't put it in the comments, because you can see swift removals. Um, I'm a plumbing, strong properties just had a, a little laughing face. Uh, Sophie Kelly Properties have, have jumped, jumped in as well. Every time somebody comes in, your question is just going to get put, um, pushed further and further up. So um, if you do want to ask me a question, please put it down into the question box. Uh, KB, yes, we do do bridging loans. Bridging loans are my speciality. They're my favorite type of finance because they're the most flexible thing since Stretch Armstrong. Um, and I love them. So, um, so yes, we definitely do. Um, so if you do want to ask me a question, um, that one snuck by, so well done KB. Um, if you want to ask me a question, please use the question box down here. And if you're loving this live, please keep hitting the heart button because uh, it tells Instagram that I'm doing a good job and, uh, and it basically will send more people on. And the more people we've got, the more we can share, the more we can learn, then just the, you know, the, the more, more it fuels my ego, to be quite honest with you. Um, not that I have one in particular. I'd probably, uh, probably be a lot happier if I did have an ego. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so um, earlier on on my stories, I um, I actually um, posted a uh, I always post a, a story during the day with a priority question box on it, which means that you can have the opportunity to ask me a question that I'm going to ask at the beginning of my, of my uh, live. So you definitely definitely sure that you get your question answered. Um, I did it a bit late today because at Grand Union we always have our Monday morning team catch-ups and as the team's expanding they they tend to go on a little bit longer so generally speaking i don't get around to actually being able to um to do that until about midday and i think i did it about half past one today so obviously the later i do it the less time you guys have got to view it and add a question but we do have a question from the stories um so i'm going to start off with that one becoming before coming on to um the rest of uh, your questions guys so get your thinking caps on and get your questions in whilst i i kick off so we'll kick off with this one uh, from my stories, what are the interest rates at the moment, HMO and residential, please? Great question. One that we get fairly frequently, um, but it's one that needs updating fairly frequently, isn't it? So um, we are. the good news, guys, is that we are seeing that mortgage rates are continuing to come down. Last week, we had a flurry of emails from lenders to say that they were reducing rates. Um, they're not necessarily like absolutely... Um, you know, dropping through the floor, but the velocity in which these small incremental rates, um, rate drops are happening is quite high. So that's really, really positive. I think the biggest one we had was TSB came out last week and they were talking um, about sort of uh, decreases in like 1.4% in, in some of their rates. So, so that's pretty, pretty high. But generally speaking, we're talking sort of week on week, we're seeing the average come down, down by say, you know, 0 0.1, 0.2%. Um, and, and long may that continue because you know the averages have obviously got a bit higher recently, um, all off the back of a little bit of trussonomics um, that happened when uh, Liz Truss, God rest her soul, um, <laughs> she's not dead. She's just dead to me. No, she's uh, she's just uh, she's just not around as our prime minister anymore. Thank God. Um, 
led the, the mortgage market to believe that there was no trust in our in our current market and economic policy and a lot of them had to pull out because they just could not figure out how they can lend, how they could lend their money um Ilian, hola how are we doing um so um so yeah so on to the question as to sort of where rates are roughly um i said to someone earlier on if you are getting a residential mortgage that begins with a four you're doing good if you get a if you're getting a buy to let mortgage that begins with a late four you're doing well if it's a low five you're still doing all right and if it's an hmo mortgage if it's mid fives to mid sixes you're doing well at the moment so that's what we're aiming for and these are all at sort of 75 percent loan to value by the way guys um higher on the uh, residential you can get up to 90 percent loan to value mortgages on your residential uh, mortgages at the moment um i generally leave those to uh chanel who is one of our brokers she was on the uh, on the show a couple of weeks ago answering some of your questions um she's a specialist broker that does it does it all um but uh, but she does a lot more residential than i do so so she tends to do a lot of that and uh yeah she'd be the best person to ask about about those sorts of things but um yeah residential up to sort of 90 percent loan to value um but realistically funny enough i was talking to somebody in the office today um about residential mortgages and I've, I've always been of the uh, of the belief that you shouldn't overstretch yourself um i personally would much rather buy a home for myself with a deposit where i could put down 20 to 25 percent as a deposit and get a lower loan to value mortgage and get a smaller house than stretch myself and get a bigger place in an in a in a better area for and have to put down a night you know 10 percent deposit and put down uh, get a 90 percent loan to value mortgage i would much rather do that but then again that's me, um, you know. That's my preference, um, but you know, that's 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 what I've always I've truly believed. I don't think you should overstretch yourself. And in fact, I actually had a conversation on uh, Clubhouse. There was a few rather well-known property investors doing a, uh, a Clubhouse room a couple of years ago. And don't forget, this was in the midst of the of the um, the, the pandemic. The more, the market was shooting through the roof. Um, you know, everything was going gangbusters and. We had no idea that what is going on right now was, was just around the corner. And somebody actually, um, one of the people who invited me up on the stage to talk about uh, about mortgages was when the 95% loan to value mortgages had just been re reintroduced. The government had backed them. In fact, I think Boris, the prime minister at the time, had just come out and said that he, would, he wanted 99% loan to value mortgages moronic thought process um, and actually I think I did a, a video about how stupid that was on my YouTube channel that did particularly well particularly with the people that don't necessarily like Boris very much <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I said how dangerous 95% loan to value mortgages were because it gives you no leeway to uh, you know for market alterations a 5% drop in the market which in some areas we have already seen a 15% drop in the last two months 15% Imagine if you're on 95% loan-to-value mortgage and your, your property price goes down by, or your property value goes down by 15%. You're in negative equity. You are buggered. Um, or at least you have to hold on. You've got no choice but to hold on to, uh, to that property, no matter what happens, whether you can afford the mortgage or not, whether your repayments go up. You know, when you come to refinance, you're not going to be able to refinance without paying down some of that mortgage to get it back down to 90, 95% loan-to-value. Um, and you know, if you want to sell it, um, you know, no, Sarish, how you doing? Um, so yeah, you're uh, you're you're in you're in trouble basically. Um, but if you're doing ninety five percent, you only need a five percent change in the market, and then you are at a hundred percent loan to value. That means, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot refinance your property unless you repay at least five percent of the of your property value um, in on your mortgage. Um, and the thing is, as well, is that even if that um, 
even if, even if it did happen, you could pay off 5%, you're then suddenly on another 95% loans value mortgage and, and with mortgage rates increasing, who's to say that's actually even affordable for you? Even if you haven't changed how much you earn, a 95% value, uh, 95% loan to value mortgage now is less affordable to you than it was six months ago. So you can't actually get that money anymore. So let's say that that happens and the, the most they can give you is 90%. Suddenly you've got to pay off 10% of the value of your property on your mortgage just to be able to refinance or you have to go onto a standard variable rate that might be at 7%. There's very few people on this live, I would imagine, that can pay 7% on their mortgage and be able to survive, particularly on a repayment mortgage where you're paying the balance and interest off every single month. So that's the problem with the higher loan to value mortgages is that they are quite dangerous in my humble opinion. Do not overstretch yourself people, you don't need to do that. Yes, I'm a mortgage broker. I'm the only mortgage broker in the country that's telling you to borrow less because mortgage brokers get paid as a percentage of how much you earn and I don't care. I just want you guys to be safe. If I earn less and you're safe, that is okay. I want you as long-term clients. I don't want you as one transaction and then you get repossessed and we're done. That's rubbish. I want, I want to be friends. I want to go out for dinner with you in 20 years time and, and talk about how amazing your property strategy has been and how much you're now a, a multi-millionaire um, because, because you become you know, this amazing property, um, you know, property guru. That's, that's, my, that's actually what, I, what I, I do. That's what I push my team to say as well, what I push my team to think and how they act. Everything that we do at Grand Union Finance has client success behind it. It has to be client success. It's not, we're not driven, it's not driven by money. It's driven by how successful the client is. So it's, you know, that, that's, that's the way it's got to be. If you, want to, if you want to run a business in the 21st century, guys, you can't be thinking about just money. You can't be thinking about transactional stuff. You've got to be thinking about, it's hard to get clients. It's hard to get customers. You've got to keep them. And the only way you're going to keep them is if you make them successful. If you make them successful, you add, you know, I, I say that Grand Union Finance is a property success partner. We're not a mortgage brokerage, we're a property success partner that specializes in financial products. That's what we are. Um, it's easier when I'm at a dinner party to say, someone says, what do you do for a living? And I say, mortgage broker. And my friends say to me, what, like, what, why, do you, why do you say that? Like, you run a company. Why don't you tell them that? I'm like, it's a conversation killer. It's like when somebody, I was actually in the pub just before Christmas and, um, I was sitting there with this guy called Chris, who's actually a very impressive man, actually. Um, but I'll tell you why in a minute. He said to me, what do you do for a living? Tell me I'm a mortgage broker. Okay, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm in IT. And, I, and because I know that the way that I do it, I mean, it's stupid. I should tell people more what I do. You know, it's ridiculous. Um, the, uh, uh, he, he, I said to him, you know, when you say IT, are you the guy that's like, turn it off and on again? And it actually turns out, no, he isn't. He creates apps and software and stuff. So he's really freaking impressive. Um, and I also found out that he played guitar and, uh, and he did a, a cover of um, a Tenacious D song when, uh, while he was busking once, which I thought was incredibly, uh, which was fantastic. Um, he, he said he would send me the video, he never did. Um, so um, yeah, Sebastian, yeah. I, Unfortunately, um, and I don't want to bash my industry. I do not want to bash my industry um, because it's not actually, I don't necessarily think it's always the broker's fault. But it's the, the way bro the, the mortgage brokers in this country are generally set up as sales machines. Um, you know, they even say like making a sale when they say this as a, um, um, when they say this as, um, what's, what's the word I'm trying to use? Uh, when, when they're like talking about like, 
doing an application, it's making a sale. It's not a sale. It's not a sale. So if we give an advice to somebody, you're saying, I think we should go with this application. I think we should go with this lender. I think we should go with this product. And you get sales managers, unfortunately, are driving these sales. You have targets. Um, no, it's me, um, it, Chris. It's not, uh, it's not pre-recorded. I've got your questions. Don't worry. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, just, it just annoys me that the, you, that, that gets drummed into it. It's, it's why I was a rubbish employee, because I just, just, my sales managers used to hate me because I would just ignore them. Um, you know, in fact, I remember once one of my colleagues, um, I was sitting there and his client uh, told him that he didn't want to go ahead with the mortgage anymore because he didn't want to buy the house. And the sales manager, and actually she's written, and I don't blame the sales manager because she was lovely, but I think it came from above her. She was told, uh, she told him, well, this is the advice that she gave, can't you just persuade him to buy the property? What? Like, what kind of fucking advice is that? Sorry, I got a little bit Ricky Gervais there in terms of going really high-pitched. But yeah, I was like, I just remember at the time, I think I just like put down my, like what I was doing. I was like, oh man, like, no. The most ridiculous thing. But anyway, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. We're in a strange, strange, uh, strange industry. Um, and to be honest with you guys, I, um, it's, it's like my life goal to try and change this industry. I think there are so many amazing brokers out there that just don't have a home. And I think I want, I want Grand Union Finance to be a home. We are going to look at sort of buying some brokerages this year as well and trying to sort of bring them round to the Grand Union way of doing things, which is with the customer and the client at the forefront of it all, just trying to add value constantly. I mean, this is what I've been doing my brokering job today, but apart from that as well, I've actually been in here recording videos to go with. Um, so what I've found is a lot of people reach out to me. I don't necessarily have as much time as I used to to just have chats with with new investors that haven't started um, yet, but they just want to know. They just want to have a conversation with me and and get um, and get an. Uh, get an understanding of you know, what kind of finance they need to think about in terms of different strategies they want to do. And so, you know, I've, I think I've mentioned, I'm, gonna, I'm setting up these one-to-one calls. I can only do two a week, these, one, uh, these one-to-one sort of property strategy calls. But the idea of, for me of just, just doing a call, just doing a Zoom call and just sending that to you afterwards is just not good enough. Like you just have to do more than that. So I've been sitting here today recording videos that will go out like before and after the, the call to, to get you prepared, get you thinking about what we need to do so we can maximize the time. And then afterwards, you know, going through like how you, what the next steps are, you know, building your power team, um, you know, what documents do you need to get to, what, what, what the next stage is, check your credit file, this is how you do it, you know, all that kind of stuff, because it's just so important. And, and I'm just gonna keep adding to it and adding to it and adding to it just to make it, you know, the most valuable call that you can, you can do because that's, that's my ambition. So um, yes, I do have a TikTok channel. It's exactly the same, at the Sam Norris. Um, yeah, don't do as much on there as I should. So I think it's mainly just because people are mean to me on TikTok. Um, there's a lot of mean people on TikTok. Um, yeah, so uh, brilliant. Um, and yeah, thanks, Sebastian. Yeah, I had um, I've, I'm, I'm sort of cha- changing up a little bit um, to to try and try and improve it and try and give more value. But there we go. But anyway, I've gone so off topic on this, and we're 22 minutes in, um, and you guys didn't come here to hear me just rattle on about this kind of stuff. You came in here to get your questions answered. Um, so let's get cracking with that. Guys, if you do want to ask me a question, question box down here in the bottom right-hand corner. Keep hitting the heart button because um, it makes me feel good good about myself. Um, <laughs> oh, do you know, whenever I get on my on my like soapbox about this stuff, like it always just knackers me out. <laughs> um, right, cool. 
uh, Annie has asked again. I got a bit of follow up on. I guess it's a it's a follow up on the next uh, on our last question. Mortgage rate predictions for twenty twenty four. Blimey, Annie, we've only just got into twenty twenty three, mate. Now now we're talking about twenty twenty four. Talk about wishing your life away. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, the. Uh, 2024, what the hell? Oh, you caught me well off, off guard here. What's going to happen over the next uh, year? Well, if we rewind to January, I mean, actually, do you know what would be funny? Is actually, I'd, I might go back and watch like some of the some of the, the, the more money mortgage melts from like January last year and some of the stuff I would have been talking about. Who in their right mind could have envisaged what the freaking hell was going to go on last last year, particularly in the, in like the final quarter? That was just, it was just, oh man, what what a year. What a year 2022 was, eh? It was like heart attack central, wasn't it? Um, so 2024, what's going to happen? Okay, Bank of England base rate is going to go up this month and next month. Um, it might go up again in March. It will probably get to, what are we on now? 3.5, 3.75? It's going to get to 4, um, 4, 4.5. And I think it's going to, it's going to sort of stay there. Um, right, okay, that's... there. I knew there was a reason you asked this question, Annie. You've got a remortgage coming up in 2024. Okay, fine. I would not be surprised if mortgage rates were very similar to where they are now in 2024. I think we've got a couple of years of this being where they are, and then I think the Bank of England base rate might come down a little bit. Historically, the Bank of England base rate is actually a lot lower than the standard sort of average. Five to 6% is usually kind of where it, where it would be if you look historically. Um, where it sits, yes, we've had a few years in the past where it was ma- massively higher, but you know the last twelve years or so, it's been uh, it's been at practically zero. So um, so we have to get used to it. The markets are starting to get used to it. I think economically we are as a country moving in the right direction, which helps because the markets then feel more comfortable um, and lenders feel more comfortable lending. Um, having said that, I do think that the um, that the 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 property market is showing signs of distress. Um, I think there are corrections. When you think about the the, the property market, and obviously the mortgage market and the property market are are fundamentally interlinked, the property market, um, when people, everything we've just said about some of the struggles that people are gonna go through this year, either they they get repossessed, in which case the property gets sold off cheaply, because if you wanna sell it, if you wanna sell something quick, you have to sell it cheap. Simple as that, right? So it gets sold off cheaply. Then you've got the um, then you've got the uh, the people that are the ninety five percent ninety percent loads of value people that we just spoke about, and they can't refinance and they're stuck on these hideous rates. They're like, oh, we've got to sell, so they sell, but they need to sell quickly because they're hemorrhaging money. So again, they'll take an offer. Every single time one of these sales goes through, that micro area, and don't forget, it's really stupid to think of the country as one market. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of micro areas um, that all have their own little climates, and it depends on what's selling, basically. So if a road, if on a road, uh, the average price, let's say the average price on, on this road, and it's like one of those um, you know semi-detached roads, you know what I'm talking about, in the suburbs, and the average price of the property is 500 grand. Well, if one person gets into, into trouble, on that on that road and sells that has to sell their property for 400 guess what happens to the value of the rest of the properties on that on that uh, on that road instantly valuers are going out and using that as a comparable so they're going on oh, i think all these houses are worth 400 grand and it and it resets and recalibrates and restarts the the market in in that tiny little area 
and the, if the next road has the same thing and the next road has the same thing suddenly the bigger wider area has that same uh, scenario happening as well so as the um, as prices come down the impact of the higher residential interest rates is going to come is is also going to come down because when you've got high property values and high interest rates it's really difficult to buy property because the affordability is so difficult that it it allows less and less of the population to actually acquire properties at the average values for the areas that they're in because if you think about it if you're in london your average salary might be 40 grand and the average property price might be 500 grand if you're in bradford the average salary might be 28 grand but the average property price might be 320 grand or something i don't know um i'm just plucking these figures out of thin air so if um, if the property prices continue to continue to go up but your your um income does not and the property um the property prices go up so the more deposit you need which you can't do so you need to borrow a higher loan to value which you can't do because the rates are high so the affordability is harder to, to get that's where suddenly doesn't matter how much uh, money is available to borrow it's unobtainable where we, we create an ecosystem where the funding is unobtainable now how the property market works in this country is the more available cash there is the more the value of properties will tend to rise and the reason for that is it is the the availability of cash fuels the purchasing of properties which fuels higher competition which means property prices go up it's it's as simple as that so at the moment we're in a position where um people are highly leveraged They've taken out mortgages that were affordable to them three years ago on a salary that will not get them, you know, will get them two thirds of the mortgage that they had back then. They suddenly have to refinance and they find out they can't afford it. They therefore have to, you know, relinquish that property as quickly as they possibly can. A re reset occurs and the property prices start coming down. There are, as I said before, there are areas of the country that have already seen decreasing in values of five, 10, 15%. Um, and so when that happens, this means that suddenly, even though the mortgage rates are higher, these properties are then obtainable again. And that's when we're gonna uh, get that equilibrium where um, properties are obtainable, finance is obtainable, and the market starts sort of going on again then. But I think until that happens, which could be six months, could be nine months, could be a year, we are gonna to continue to see a steady drop in the, in the price of average properties across the, across the country. So, um, so it's not, we shouldn't be looking at average property prices. We shouldn't be looking at asking prices. We should be looking at sales. How, what sales are going through? What go on right move and look at sales in your area. Um, at you know what is actually being sold because you'll probably find they're a lot lower than than what you are anticipating. And this this has a knock on effect when you're getting a remortgage when valuers go out and value properties. You thought it was worth five hundred, they come about come back at four fifty because there's no comparable evidence to suggest that property is worth five hundred anymore because there's three or four people in the surrounding area that have sold their property for less than maybe even potentially worth who went to the open market because they needed a quick sale. So they're going with cash buyers, they're getting repossessed and their properties are going at auction. So they're the kind of things to think about. So I don't think that mortgage rates are gonna be that much higher than they are now in 2024. Um, but I do think the Bank of England base rate will go up to about four to four and a half percent. I think it will stay there for a 12, potentially a 12 month period, 12, 18 month period. And then we'll probably see a little bit of a decrease in it once the economy starts getting back on track and inflation, um, you know, drops down again. We're already seeing hints that that's going to hopefully occur. I think that the government are going to intervene and stop this, you know, massive rise in um, 
in energy bills, which is going to tip inflation up. Um, and so, you know, when inflation does start coming down, we won't need to push on the on the Bank of England base rate to go up to try and stimulate inflation coming down, and we can steadily, steadily sort of drop that down again. And that means that I reckon. Look, as a long-term norm, I wouldn't be surprised if we had a Bank of England base rate at 325 to 3.5%. And if you're doing that, you know, you're probably going to get um, residential interest rates at about 4%, um, well, 35 to 4%, um, and, you know, buy-to-lets at, you know, 4 to 5%. And the market can work in those conditions. The market can work in those conditions. So, so there we go. I'm not sure if I actually answered the question. Uh, Annie, you can let me know. Give us a thumbs up if I did. Give us a thumbs down if I didn't. You know, and you know, look, I'm all I'm all here for a bit of constructive criticism, guys. I'm not doing a good enough job. You can let me know. I won't be hurt. Not like um, not like uh, over on TikTok where I get I get very very upset very quickly with some of the horrible things that people say to me, mainly about my silly hair. Um, <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, but it's going to be another crash anyway. It's, yeah, you know, it, all, it all depends on your um, your interpretation of what a crash is. You know, um, I suppose fifteen percent down is probably a crash in in a in a three to four month period. Fifteen percent drop in anything uh, during that time would be uh, would be would be deemed to be a crash, wouldn't it? So, yeah, interesting times lay ahead. But um, in every uh, in, in every situation like this, um, you did DW towards the end. What's uh, what's a D? What's a DW? Does anyone know what that is? I don't know what a DW is. Sorry, wait, if that's if that's a negative, I apologise. Um, <laughs> there we go. Cool, guys. If you've got any questions for me, stick them down in the question box down here. This is the Monday Mortgage Mail. It is episode 122. Um, you can listen to past episodes of the Monday Mortgage Mail on the Game of Loans podcast. Um, so every single week that Instagram allows me to download my live, um, I do put the. Um, Oh, don't worry. Thank you. Um, you can go and uh, and listen to past episodes, which is great. I do keep them on here, but I also am very wary of the fact that not anyone, everyone can just sit at all hours of the day and just watch videos, particularly when there's those subtitles on it. Um, so if you would prefer to listen, you can listen back on the Game of Loans podcast. Is there anyone here that, that subscribes to the Game of Loans podcast? Any Game of Loan podcast fans in the room? Um, I'm going to up my game on that. I have an ambition to get a podcast out every day at some point in the future. I might be a couple of years away from that, um, but that's what I want to get to. I want to give out so much free content um, that it'll be impossible for you not to listen, basically, is the idea. Um, so at the moment, yeah, Game of Loans um, has generally two episodes a week, sometimes three, um, where I will be, um, you know, adding uh, adding some interviews on there as well. Um, Jason Patterson, actually, who I think might be on the live, um, who is the... Uh, who is the, uh, the the king of the short lease acquisition? Um, is going to be we're going to be doing a recording tomorrow, which we're very excited about. Uh, talking all about how to buy properties with short leases. That's going to be coming up on the Game of Loans podcast next week. Um, so look out for that. Um, and last week we had Sean Land. So if you want to do that, uh, let me know. By the way, just talking about promoting stuff at the moment. Um, the the one to one the one to one calls that I was talking about, um, although I haven't launched it yet. If you want to get on the pre-launch list, then please send me a direct message off the back of this um, of this live, and um, let me um, and let me know, and I will put you on that list. And as soon as I have got the whole thing done and ready to go, I'll send you a link for you to to book in. I am only going to take two a week. Um, so um, yeah, because I, I am busy, but I'm also very well aware that you guys need 
some additional support at the moment. So I want to be there to, to help. Um, what is your company network? Um, what, what are we talking about, Chris? What's, what do you say network? What are you talking about? Um, please explain more about it. I will towards the end. I'll talk, I'll talk to you a little bit more about the, uh, the one-to-one calls um, in a bit. But let's get back to the reason we're all here. So um, let's have a look at... Um, so it's me, Chris. Um, do you think changing mortgage now and and pay as fast as possible the loans is a good deal? Um, so I think that um, so I get I get asked this a lot. Is it better to change to a mortgage now or wait till uh, when we come up or when I come up to the end of my my fixed rate? So obviously, if you if you if you if you have a mortgage now that's in its fixed rate or it's what we call its tied period, you will have to pay an early repayment charge in order to get out. That's going to be costly. But if the rate that you're on is higher than a rate that you can get, you've got to work out the difference in what you'd be paying over the period of time that you have left on your um, on your fixed rate. And if that is less, if, if basically if the, if the saving is more than what you'd pay to get out, then it makes sense. You've got to also factor in other, other fees, um, solicitor's fees, uh, broker fees, lender fees, all that kind of stuff. But um, if overall it's going to cost you less to refinance now, um, and you're going to save money even by paying an early repayment charge, then it makes a lot of sense to do so. Um, you've also picked up another thing there, um, Chris, which is about paying down your mortgage. We've had a conversation in the office about this today. Uh, somebody disagreed with me, which is stupid. Why would you disagree with a mortgage broker about mortgages? Anyway, um, and we were talking about paying off your residential mortgage. Should you pay off your residential mortgage? Um, well, yes, absolutely. Any anything that any debt that you have that isn't investment debt, you haven't taken that debt out to use it to um, to invest in something that you're going to get a greater return than the cost of the money that you're borrowing is, then you should be paying that off. I am working on a video for YouTube at the moment. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but when I came out of my out of university, I was in crippling debt. I my credit file looked like someone had just taken a dump on it. It was horrendous. Um, I was in a real bad state financially, and um, I was very lucky um, insofar as I had the ment- I had a mentality. I was I'm an only child. So I had the mentality of, well, I better sort this mess out, shouldn't I? So I I always remember typing into Google. Um, uh, how do I improve my credit file? Um, and a YouTube video come up and I watched it um, and then I sort of went on to how to get out of debt and how to do this. And I formulated a structure for myself to get myself debt free. Now, obviously running a business, um, paying off all of my personal debt has got a little bit out the window, but I'm pretty much debt free now. And I've got a 999 credit file and I'm gonna actually do a video on YouTube um, over the next couple of weeks, which is gonna be all about how you that basically the strategy I use to become debt free um, or to pretty much become debt free and um, and how you can implement that strategy too it's the basically the most efficient way to get debt free and it will include all loans that you have or all credit that you have all balances that you have that are not buy to let mortgages and 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 the like because buy to let mortgages if you leverage on them there's usually a reason for it. We'll come on to that a little bit in a second because I think Chris might have been asking a bit about that as well. But that's what, what's coming up. I'm going to talk about um, how I did it, the strategy I used, and I think it's the most efficient way. It's, it is an actual genuine strategy. Like You have to understand you know, how much debt you've got in certain places, what you're paying in terms of monthly payments and interest rates and all that sort of stuff. And you, 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 you use a particular strategy to 
bit by bit get rid of it and it compounds and it compounds and it compounds and you start off slow and after like a year you're like absolutely smashing through this debt so um so i will definitely be getting a video up about that guys if, if, if none of you follow me on uh, on youtube go and do that go and subscribe to my youtube channel uh, just type in sam norris into youtube and i will pop up um, go and subscribe um, there's between two and four videos that come up every single week so um so yeah and, and a, a few a few more recently um or a few more in the in the in the near future are going to be more focused on personal finance uh, because i think this year begin especially the beginning part of this year people need to know it people need to understand how to manage their money we've got a money management um uh, video coming up we've got the credit file um how to how to improve your credit file video coming up we've got how to become debt free video coming up all this stuff over the next two to three weeks is going to be coming out on the youtube channel so go and subscribe because there's loads i mean there's, there's already over 150 videos um on there to do with all sorts of stuff from um from property strategies property finance personal finance all this sort of good stuff so um loads for you to get your teeth into there so please go over and subscribe hit the notification bell because you will then be notified every time a new uh, video comes up but i do tend to post on here about when i get have a new video as well so you will be notified on here too now let's talk about buy to let mortgage and, in, and investment mortgages should you pay those off well yes at some point potentially um but here's my two p's worth on that subject there are two facets to your facets is a cool word to use isn't it there are two facets to your your property portfolio your por property business growth okay you have got the growth stage or i should say property uh, portfolio building you've got the growth stage and you've got the consolidation stage or you've got the fun stage the bit where you can actually start enjoying it now when you start out in, in property you have to have a clear long-term goal as to what your property business is going to look like when it is all done if you do not have that yes it can change a little bit but if you don't have that you are literally getting in the car and driving aimlessly without your sat nav on you need to know where you're headed okay and i tell this to my clients all the time i i get to work with some of the the, the, the country's best investors and the one thing that i see that the best of them do is they plan and they know where they're headed and they stick to it and they're very focused on it and it's so evident and they just do so well off the back of it so have your plan so you what your plan might be cash flow related portfolio value related number of property related you know you might you have that financial freedom figure that people talk about it's all to do with cash flow so as you are growing towards when you're in the growth stage when you're growing your portfolio or you're growing your business to get to the point where it's generating that level of cash leverage you know 75 percent loan to value don't go any higher than that um leverage don't pay them down when you when you come to refinance if there's equity utilize it just deposits 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 you just want to be finding the next property next property next property next property next property and you want to be doing that obviously as quickly as you want as you can to achieve your goal as soon as possible unless of course you don't want to do that and you just kind of want a steady steady growth which is also absolutely fine so um and that will um snowball you know over time because the more properties you've got the higher cash flow you have the more prop and, and don't spend your cash flow keep that in there and that's more deposits more deposits you'll get to the point where you might be making 25k um you know a, a, a month net which means you know every couple of months you could uh, put a 25 percent deposit down on a 250 pound um property and add that to your portfolio which in turn then adds more cash flow which makes it easier to get the next one and the next one and the next one um 
So it's uh, it's yeah, it's um, it's a very it's you know it's, that's that's the growth element, and you want to be leveraging up because you just want to keep getting money out, money out. Now, when you've got to the point where you're either there or or there or thereabouts in terms of where you want to be hitting. That's the point where we start consolidating and we start enjoying. So when we come to refinance, we don't need to re-leverage up. Um, and what I would suggest is, if you own your properties in personal name, you need to get your, rid of your mortgages because you're, they're not tax efficient. Um, you're not, you know, the, the interest is not tax deductible. Therefore, you're paying um, tax on the full rent that you're getting, not the rent minus your, your mortgages like you do in, in a limited company because the interest is tax deductible as a corporate expense within a limited company. So if you are, once you get to the consolidation stage of its personal name, and I would probably recommend that you don't build a massive portfolio in personal name, it's not tax advice, um, go and speak to a tax advisor about that, but you um, you will go and um, yeah, you'll, you'll probably want to get rid of um, get rid of those mortgages. So try and pay them down. Use the cash flow it, that your that your properties actually generate to pay down your mortgages every time you come to refinance. Pay them down. Pay them down. Pay them down. Pay them down and get them to zero. If you put, if you if your portfolio is in a limited company ownership structure, then realistically. You don't need to be as aggressive with that. In fact, what I would probably say is most of my clients do is they will aim to get below 60% loan to value leverage across their portfolio. The reason for that, that's where they're gonna get the lowest rates. There isn't really any lending, uh, you know, going, there isn't too much benefit to going below that in terms of the interest rate you're gonna pay, the lowest bracket loan to value product is 60%. So get it down below that, you'll have access to the best and cheapest lending. So it's a double whammy, you're borrowing less, against the value of your property, therefore your cash flow is higher anyway, and the cost of those funds is actually gonna be less as well. So it's a double whammy, and then you can start enjoying your money. You can start paying yourself. So that is how, how I would be thinking about things if I was, um, you know, in terms of, in, if, if I was you growing a property portfolio, I'd be trying to think of it in, in those sorts of ways. Does that make sense? Am I silly? Am I right? You let me know. I um, I want to hear your thoughts. Um, cool. We've got about 15 minutes left, guys. So let's get cracker lacking. Um, on to the next question. So, um, right. Um, it's me, Chris. You're, you're asking loads of question, questions about Andrew Tate, The Matrix. Um, so I'm going to skip across, uh, and how am I? I'm good, thank you. I'm going to skip across, we've already, already done one of yours, uh, we're going to skip across to um, Sarish97, who says, can you buy a house on uh, buy-to-let when it needs light refurbishment? Um, so, good, good question. So, the it all depends on how much of a refurb it needs, okay? So, the rule of thumb with most mortgage lenders is, if you... Um, if the, if, if the work you're gonna do is, is gonna inhibit your ability to have the property rented within the first 30 days of ownership, then that's probably too much. Most lenders will know this because their valuers will come back to them and say, this requires a bit of work to get it ready to get to market to us, to get it to you know, the standard value of the, of the market for rental. So if they say that to a lender, the lender then just has to make a decision as to whether or not they're actually willing to lend on it or not because they don't want you spending three months doing a renovation. They don't. They don't want you even spending one month doing a renovation. A couple of weeks is probably the absolute max they'll be happy with. A little bit of you know touching up here and there, that's, that's what they're gonna be after, okay? So if there's anything beyond that, 
then no. There are one or two um, mortgage products now that are called a sort of light, a sort of refurbishment buy to let products where you can um, purchase the property um, a little bit like purchasing it on a bridge, but then um, you get to refinance it once you've done a bit of work to it, etc. There is only a couple of companies that do that. They're not awful products, but you have to remember that you're probably then paying long term a higher um, you know, a higher interest rate on the, on the mortgage long term because it's a specialist mortgage product, basically. So for some people, that's going to work. Um, but the, 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 if, if, the, um, if you are planning on, um, this is another thing on the mortgage thing, uh, again, Sarish as well. If you are planning on buying it with a buy-to-let, renovating it, then refinancing it straight away, that again is to a certain extent potentially mortgage fraud because what you're doing is you're getting a mortgage by deception if you are if you say to a, to a lender i'm going to buy this property i'm not planning on renting it out for the next three months i'm going to renovate it and then i'm going to refinance it away from you guys onto another lender um, at the the higher value they will say bugger off they will not accept your application but if you knowingly enter into an agreement and don't tell a lender that then you are getting a mortgage by deception, which is tantamount to mortgage fraud. It's very, very serious. So in those situations, we use a bridging loan to purchase property. We do a renovation and we then refinance at a higher value uh, because you've added loads of loads of value to it. So that's how that works. Um, there are um, refurbishment bridge products available, which means that you can borrow a higher loan to value, say 85% loan to value, if you don't have as big a deposit to put down, so you can have more money kept aside to do the works. But obviously, as per normal, as per usual, we have to make sure that overall it all works. Um, you know, we look at what the value of the property is likely to be in six months' time or whatever it is when we come to refinance. Um, we probably take a little bit of a haircut off that at the moment because we know that the, the market is dipping um, and we make sure that there is enough in it. There's, we've got enough rent to get 75% of that um, and then 75% is going to cover paying off the bridging loan in, in its entirety, fees and all. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that you want to be doing early doors as part of your, um, you know, when you're working with a broker like Grand Union Finance. Um, we will, you know, that's what that's what we do. Uh, when when someone comes to us with a BRR type deal, first we do is jump on a calculator. Let's see if this actually works. Are we going to be able to refinance this out of the back end with a stress tested lower um, valuation at the back end on a GDV? So, um, so yeah, hopefully that answered your question, Sarish. Is that is that what you were after? I imagine you probably ask after the the answer. Yes, um, the answer would be yes if the renovation is very light. You know, it's one to two weeks, and it will be ready to get on the market for rental within that time, and hopefully rented out within thirty days. If that is a complete impossibility, then no. Um, also, if you're looking to refinance out of it, um, then that's the uh, then that's uh, yeah, that's that's the way to do it basically. So cool, right, um, let's, uh, any questions you've got, um, so guys, just remember, any questions you've got, put them into the question box. Uh, we've got time for probably one or two more, um, so please stick them down in there, uh, Papizi. Um, in the meantime, um, yeah, it's me, um, Chris, you, you're making me laugh today. You've got, so th these, are, these are the questions that uh, it's me, Chris has asked me today. So what do you think um, of Andrew Tate? Um, do you know what? I don't follow anything to do with Andrew Tate. Um, I know who he is. Like, I don't actually know like really who he is. I don't know anything about him because I, I'm a very simple person, you see, and I don't have a very big brain. So I can't fill my brain with anything that is unimportant. Uh, and I think he's quite an unimportant 
person. Um, well, to me, he is anyway. I think there's lots of people out there that seem to like him and dislike him and have, have opinions, but I don't have an opinion because I don't know enough about him to have an opinion because he's not someone that's of interest to me. And um, when something pops up on YouTube, because I watch so much YouTube, does anyone else just watch YouTube and not like Netflix or Sky or anything like that? I literally just watch YouTube all the time. I watch videos by Gary Vaynerchuk and James Sinclair and Jamie York and try to think of other people that I watch videos um, by, you know, just, you know, the the, the normal people, um, Peter Comaleffi, all these things to do with, with property and finance and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. I, I'm consuming so much of James Sinclair's uh, content at the moment. I think he's brilliant. Um, and, uh, and yeah, whenever something like, like, like that pops up, I just, yeah, I just don't, I just don't watch it. Um, so you've also said, what do you also think about The Matrix? Um, I love The Matrix. The original trilogy was amazing. The most recent film they did was possibly the worst film I've ever seen in my life. Um, I think I actually used to fancy Trinity a little bit back in the day when I was a kid. Um, yeah, not a good time. Not a good time. Um, you also put, hey, hey, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. And then what is your company worth? Um, it's worth a shit ton to me and probably not that much to anyone else. Um, on that subject, actually, I'm going to put this on the screen. Um, when it comes to... Um, Charlie, I couldn't see your question. Have you, have, you put your, have you put your question in the question box? It's not come up. Can you try and, and add it in again? Because it hasn't come up in my question box. Just don't, don't forget to put it in down here. Don't, if you put it in the comments, I would have missed it. Um, but um, yeah, what's your company worth? So, so at the moment, my company is worth very little. And there's a very good reason for it. It's, it's worth loads to me. Because A, it, it pays for me to live. Um, B, it gives me so much happiness. Um, I can't tell you how amazing it is to sit on a Zoom call with your entire team and just not say anything and just watch them all interact with each other and have amazing ideas and talk about how they're going to improve this and how they're going to get this done in this time. And oh, it's just the best thing in the world. But I don't... Um, if I try to sell my company right now, it, nobody would buy it because my company is so intrinsically linked with me. Um, for me to be able to get my company to value on the open market, then it would be, um, then I would have to, like basically my company would be able to would be able to run without me indefinitely. I'd be able to go on a holiday for six months and not even think about Grand Union Finance and it would run on its own. So, I, so basically my, my company is valued at zero, right, I mean, um, he didn't mean that matrix. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know what other matrix he's on about then. So apologies. Um, but cool. Let's get let's get back onto uh, to the other questions. We haven't got that long to go. Uh, so Stephen has asked, how do you know when to use bridging versus development fund funding? Um, so uh, yeah, um, the uh, good question. This is a really good question actually. So I'm gonna get myself back into the zone after Icarus's. Um, Fun questions, shall we say. Um, how do you know when to use bridging versus development funding? Right. My rule of thumb is um, development funding only really becomes even necessary to think about when the cost of the works are 50 grand or more. Because the reality of it is, is that the benefits that you're going to get by having that type of um, finance, because you're going to get the cut that your the, the cost of your funds covered and you're going to those those costs the cost of that is going to be pushed back because you're going to be getting that part of it in stage payments that you only start paying interest on when you actually take get those drawdowns um because the increased cost the increased fees 
in setting up development finance, you're only gonna get the benefit of, of having development finance really when it's 50 grand or more. Anything less than that and a bridging loan is usually more than sufficient. And as I said before, there are um, refurbishment bridges that we can use where we can borrow 85% uh, loan to value which means that you'd have to put down less deposit and you can hold more money back to cover the cost of the works. Flip that around though, if you have enough money to buy a property cash and you wanna borrow money just to cover the cost of the works, you are better off getting a development finance loan because then you're, you're not paying all the interest up front, you are paying it just when you draw down the money. So that is how I would, to keep it really simple guys, really, really simple, um, rule of thumb, works cost 50 grand or more, then consider a development finance loan. Any less, I think bridging is the way forward. Is that all right, Stephen? How does that, how does that work for you? Does that make sense? Um, Charlie has asked, I have 150,000, don't own a property and earn 27,000 a year. What can I do? Okay, so this comes back to what I was saying earlier on, because what I would do with that money is gonna be different to what Gary McGibbon or um, Eldon, Eldon Nunez or Creative Mortgage Solutions or Stephen um, is gonna do. Um, so I think it all depends on what your goals actually are. The most important thing I say to people all the time is you've got to think about what your business looks like when it's finished. What does your property company look like when it's done, okay? Does it have 100 properties in it? Does it has the, is it a development uh, company that um, builds, you know, blocks of flats, and you know you want to be doing three of those a year. If so, you know you need to know that so you can reverse engineer it and then figure out, um, you know, how how that's going to work for you, basically. So you've got that money now, Charlie. There's so many options that you've got available to you. Um, so you you're wanting capital growth, but again, that still doesn't answer the question. What do you want? What do you want your property company to look like when it's done? Um, so you want capital growth. So from a jurisdiction point of view, you're wanting to look in areas where you get better capital growth, probably London and the Southeast. So you probably, you don't, you're, you're not gonna get good yields in London and the Southeast. So you're not gonna be able to borrow on a buy-to-let mortgage at 75% loans value in most parts of London and the Southeast um, very easily. So you might either look at, look at buying property and leveraging them low, which is gonna mean that your growth might end up being quite slow because by, by not being able to leverage as high, you will get the cash flow, but you won't get the money back in your, in your, in your pocket. Bristol has worse capital growth than the Southeast, um, so, but it's still better than other parts of the country. Um, the yields aren't too bad there. It's become a bit of a better area at the moment, um, but at some point you're gonna run out of money. Um, if you genuinely just want capital growth, then grow the capital. You don't, you don't have to wait for a property to grow in value. You add the value, you sell it, you realize the value. You buy another property, you do the same. You buy another property, you do the same. Flip properties, renovate properties, build properties, you add the value. Um, if anyone wants capital growth, anyone watching this that wants capital growth, buy properties and add the value yourself. Do not rely on the market doing it for you because not only um, the, uh, not only is it the, what was I going to say? Not only is it very dependent, as I was saying earlier, to different areas, which sometimes we can't, um, we can't, you know, we, 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 we could have a, an amazing market and then certain areas of the country might just not, not work. I don't know if this is, if it's, if it's changed now, but last time I checked, um, the average property price in Durham 
was still below what it was before the credit crunch in 2008. So has there been capital growth in Durham in a similar way to the rest of the country? No. Could you have, could you have, have known that back in 2008? Probably not. So if you're looking for capital growth, create the growth yourself. You know, that's that's what I'd be doing. I'd be trading properties. Buy buy them doing up, selling them up. Yeah, you know what? You might want to you might want to keep some of them to create a cash flow at some point and let them um, you know grow in value. But that's that's what I would be doing. I'd be using that money. You can and, and you can use bridging and development finance to do that. 27k a year is not going to have an impact on how much you can borrow through those types of loans because they're not based on your income they're based on the project um, you've got money to put in through uh, into the deal you have, might not have the experience you haven't got any other assets but you can use a good quality team to do the works for you um, that have got lots of experience completing similar projects and then you've also got um, got some money behind you coming in and you've got some cash that you can put down um, so get a few of those projects under your belt I would say buy pro buy properties renovate them sell them on obviously be really careful because we're in a we're in a you know a downward market um, but look look where you can add significant value that's what I'll be doing Charlie um, if you do want to talk about it um, as I said I'll be do, doing some one-to-one -one, um, calls so to so look out for me advertising those when they're available hopefully towards the end of the week I will be able to have those ready to do uh, going into next next week. But that's what I'll be doing. That's what I'll be doing. Um, if you have a massive ambition to own a big property portfolio, obviously that's a bit different. I only said that because you said capital growth. Um, so two more questions. So strong property, we have a deal finalizing now. Purchase price 760, renovation 300, GDV 1.6 in Edinburgh. Is this something you guys would consider looking at? Yes, of course, absolutely. Uh, we, we help. We're very, we're really lucky because we're remote. Um, you know, we've got. Um, I'm based in the Midlands. Um, Ruby, my operations manager, is in London. Uh, we've got offices in London and Birmingham. Um, we've got Jay, our case manager, is based over in um, in Colchester, and Chanel is based in Cardiff or Body Island. Actually, that's my best best uh, Welsh accent you're going to get. Um, we're really lucky. We can work with everyone all over the country. We will do things on Zoom calls um, and, and you know, we'll, we'll get stuff done in those directions. We do we do stuff in Scotland all the time. Obviously, slightly different market over there, but it's, um, but yeah, more than happy to help. So guys, if you want to reach out to me, uh, we'll set up a Zoom call, we'll have a chat and uh, we'll go through it all and, and more than happy to um, to help you guys um, out on that. Um, figures, just off the top of my head on that, look look pretty decent so um so yeah as long as there's no um no tricky parts to that then um, i'm sure it'll be something definitely we can we can help with even if there are some tricky points we'll still be able to help so last question of the day uh honey royalty what which is better to go for considering the current market two-year fixed rate at 4.99 or a five-year five-year fixed rate at 4.43 i would say pretty much um Pretty much, uh, I, w I mean, I would be plumbing for a 4.43%. Now, the only reason why I wouldn't be doing that, because as I said, I think that there are, um, I think rates are not really going to change a significant amount in the next couple of years. Therefore, taking out a 4.99% rate now um, and then refinancing in two years' time, rates are going to be roughly where they are. So you're not going to see the benefit of saving. I would go with five-year fixed rate. However, if you want to refinance your property um, or you want to sell your property within that five-year period, if you want to make any changes to property within that five-year period, then that's what you need to consider. I say this to people all the time. It, take out a five-year fixed rate on a mortgage if you're, if you're not bothered about doing anything with that property for the next five years, because genuinely, most of the time, it's probably going to end up being a better option, if I'm completely honest. 
Um, but if you're, um, but if you do think that in in your area the price is going to rise, you're going to be doing something to that property to add value to it, and you want to recoup that by way of pulling money out for a remortgage, then obviously that would be the reason why you would take the two-year fixed rate. Does that make sense? Um, that's the advice. I have to be careful when I say advice. I'm not giving advice in the FCA regulated um, state, um, but uh, but yeah, just my yeah my. Uh, my thoughts on that subject but there we go right we've come to the end of another episode of the monday mortgage mail thanks so much for sticking around to the end guys as i've said before we've got a few things coming up to let you know about um this episode if you've missed it uh, will be on my feed very very shortly so you can catch up um, i'll also be using the audio for the game alone's podcast that'll be tomorrow or wednesday that will come out um we have a video all about um multi-unit freehold blocks um coming up as a as a reel but then we're also doing um, actually, am I doing that this week? Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday? I can't remember which. Anyway, we got. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm just going to start again. This is if this was live TV. I'd be sacked, wouldn't I? Um, so this is going to go on Game Alone's podcast. So you can catch up with that. We've got um, the full interview with Sean Land coming up on the YouTube channel tomorrow evening. Um, later on the week, we're going to have a video all about how to improve your credit file. Um, and we've also got um, a video coming up about some of the benefits of using bridging finance. There's a couple of videos that are coming up on the YouTube channel this week. I probably might take the audio from the, from the bridging one and use that for the podcast as well. Um, next week on the Game Alone's podcast, we've got Jason Patterson, um, who is the short lease king, is going to be joining me and we're going to be talking about how to buy properties on a short lease. Um, and uh, and yeah, later on in the week, I will be launching my one-to-one property strategy calls, which are I'm only going to be doing two a week. Um, there will be a tiny little fee for that just because I need to make good use of my time, but you will get more value than, it's, than, than what you're paying because there'll be loads of additional bonus videos that will be sent to you via email um, around uh, the time of your call, which will help you with getting ready for this year and, and, and building your property business, basically. It's for people that want to, that aren't quite ready just yet, but they need to get ready for um, to get get going on their um, with their property business, they need to know where to start, how to prepare themselves for their first mortgage or bridging application, all that sort of stuff. We're going to be talking mortgage strategies, property strategies, um, what finance goes with what strategy, and what we need to do to get ready for that. Um, so, if you are interested in uh, getting jumping on a call with me on a Zoom call, you will get a recording of this Zoom call together with all the extra bonuses. Um, you can uh, contact me, send me a DM, and I will send you the link to book one in when it is ready. Um, so, uh, thanks very much, as always, for joining me on the Monday Mortgage Melt. I will be back next Monday for another episode of the Monday Mortgage Melt. That'll be episode 123. Have an awesome week, guys. Thank you so, so much for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Cheers. Yep, that's it. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the episode, guys. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other Game of Loans podcast episodes, please, I would ask you a massive favour to leave a five-star review. It massively helps me grow the podcast and reach more people that will hopefully enjoy the episodes as much as you have. Thank you so much in advance for this, and I'll hopefully see you on the next episode.